0: Hey, welcome to the Missio Day Podcast. Check us out on the web at MissioDashicago.com. the leaders here, and I'm going to continue our series on beauty this morning through the Beatitudes. I'm really excited to be before you. It's been a while since I've been up here alone. I was with Brian a while back, but it's been a while. So anyway, uh, last week, Brian spoke to us about uh, what it means to be a peacemaker, and we're going to back up this week to the verse before, where it talks about, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so I'm going to share a little glimpse of my story with you this morning, and then we're going to look back to the book of Ruth. And yeah, so pray with me. Um, Father, we come before you, and just thank you for this time and this space. God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning, God, that your spirit would be here with us. God, that you would speak to us in a fresh way. You would give us a new word, a new vision. In your precious name we pray, amen. All right. So before we dive in, let's define mercy so we can kind of be on the same page moving forward. As I've studied the past few weeks about mercy, I've kind of landed on this simple definition of um, mercy is a compassionate, non-judgmental care and love towards yourself and towards others. So that's kind of our framework moving forward, um, and I think we tend to struggle with mercy in our culture on the receiving end and um, on the giving end. And so in terms of receiving mercy, I think it can be hard to receive mercy because it's we have to acknowledge our weakness and maybe other people acknowledge that and we don't wanna be seen in that way. Um, I also think that we have this overdrive mentality to just do it all, all the time. We're constantly climbing some type of ladder And we do not extend mercy to ourselves to slow down. We just keep going, keep going. Um, I also think that maybe we feel undeserving. Maybe we feel like we're not enough, that we don't deserve mercy. Or maybe you feel like mercy's been kind of held out from you. Like maybe you feel like you haven't received it from those around you who are closest to you. Maybe you feel like you haven't even received mercy from God himself. And so I think um, on the flip side of that, on giving mercy, um, we don't have time. It's inconvenient for our schedules. Um, I also think that we're just unaware of the needs of others around us because we're so um, in our bubble of our individualism all the time that we don't see others the way that Jesus calls us to see them. And I think that we often are really judgmental, you know, like, well, you know, we kind of live in this mindset like you get what you deserve. Like, you know, maybe your addiction got you there, or maybe um, your poor choices got you there. Like, whatever it is, we kind of come with our judgment, and we choose to withhold mercy from the people who we think don't deserve it. And so, we can also maybe give mercy because it feels good. You know, it feels good to give mercy. We feel like we're earning something. Um, feeling like we've, we've like done a good deed maybe. And so as i thought about my own story over the past couple of weeks and kind of what mercy means to me, and um, I kind of realized that receiving mercy has been really difficult for me, like in my life. Um, I'm gonna keep it brief in this story because my family members might listen to this message, and so I wanna honor them. But I grew up in a Christian household, my dad was a pastor, and I don't remember a ton about my childhood, but I do remember some really significant moments around my faith. So I remember um, the evening that I knew I wanted to be a follower of Jesus, I remember like the day I got baptized. Um, But the years following that, I I just was overwhelmed with a lot of shame at the age of like eight and nine is when it started. And I didn't have language for that then because I was eight years old. But now as an adult, I can kind of look back and see um, just that struggle with shame and how it really shaped a lot of my childhood, a lot of my like adolescent and even like young adulthood in my life. And so I I remember being like in third grade and needing to like go apologize to my teachers for whatever reason, because I, like, wasn't a good enough student. Yet I was totally fine. (laughs) Um, You know, I remember, like, thinking about my relationship with God and constantly doubting my salvation and doubting his, like, mercy that had been extended to me. So I remember, I think I've probably, like, prayed the sinner's prayer, like, a ridiculous amount of times. Um, I remember one time when I was 16, I was, like, kneeling on my bed, like, just weeping and, like, praying to God. And I was just like, I just don't know. Like, I don't know if I am who you say I am. You know, like, I don't know if I really believe in you. And if because if I really did, like, why does my life look like this? Like, why didn't I make different choices? Like, why wasn't I perfect? And so now as a 35-year-old woman, you know, I'm kind of, like, breaking all that down and realizing that I had this really insecure attachment with God. Um, And a lot of that stemmed from my childhood Um, in the way that um, I was parented, in the way that um, God was used in my discipline was almost in an abusive way, and it really affected my connection with God. And I often um, thought of God as just this person of judgment, and... um, That I needed to constantly keep everything together to be deserving of his love or his mercy. And so I share that with you this morning because maybe you can relate to my story. Um, Maybe you've had a hard time receiving God's mercy. And I think it's important as we talk about it this morning that we understand the giver of mercy and like what that means for us because if we can't truly receive his mercy, we can be givers of mercy. And um, it's important to know God's heart for mercy. Like he doesn't begrudge in showing us mercy, like he delights in it. It's who he is. He is mercy. Um, There's this beautiful verse in Isaiah, which is, I've just really clinged to as I've explored this. And it's, um, it says it's 5410, Isaiah 5410. It says, for even if the mountains walk away and the hills fall to pieces, my love won't walk away from you. My covenant commitment of peace won't fall apart. The God who has compassion on you says so. And so that is God's heart of mercy toward us. I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm going to have to drink some water throughout this. So as we look back to the Beatitudes this morning, I think we can read the Beatitudes and think, wow, this is like, these are really high expectations of how I'm supposed to live. Um, and I think it's important to remember that Jesus wasn't giving us the Beatitudes as a list of things to do. It was the way of Jesus. And um, we, if, if we are followers of Jesus, his spirit is within us. And we have the same characteristics of Jesus. And so although we are not perfect, these beatitudes are a way of life for us. Um, and it's so his, his grace is woven all throughout them and all throughout Scripture. And I love how Jesus, you know, sets up the story with the beatitudes, and then he just begins teaching chapters after this um, on his way of life. And then we see action. Um, we finally see Jesus' like ministry of mercy where we start to see what happens when he is moved to compassion. So I'm just gonna read out really quick um, what Jesus's ministry of mercy looked like in the book of Matthew. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Jesus heals the servant of a Roman centurion. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus healed many who were demon-possessed. Jesus calms the storm. Jesus sent demons into a herd of pigs. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Jesus eats with sinners at Matthew's house. Jesus heals a bleeding woman. Jesus restores a girl to life. Jesus heals the two blind men. Jesus heals the mute and demon-possessed man. Jesus heals a man's hand on the Sabbath. Jesus feeds 5,000. Jesus heals all who touch his cloak. Jesus sends a demon out of a girl. Jesus heals the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. Jesus feeds 4,000. Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. Wow. Like, church, Jesus loved mercy. Um, I love in Henry Nowen's book on compassion, he says, when Jesus was moved to compassion, the source of all life trembled. The ground of all love burst open And the abyss of God's immense, inexhaustible, and unfathomable tenderness revealed itself. And so that's what we're seeing. It's beautiful. Whenever Jesus was moved to compassion, miracles happened, healing happened, transformation happened. In church, that is beautiful. And what is even more beautiful is that we're made in the image of God and we have Christ in us. So when we see Jesus' heart move to compassion, our hearts can also be moved to compassion, and we can see miracles happen, we can see healing happen, and we can see transformation happen, and we can see heaven touching earth. And so it's good news for us as mercy givers. So we see this glimpse of mercy being lived out in the book of Ruth. Um, Many of you have heard the story, probably of Naomi and Ruth, I think we even... Did a series on Ruth, didn't didn't we, a while back? Yeah, we did? Okay, I thought so. So Ruth, I'll I'll give you a quick overview if you're not familiar. So Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law, and they've lost everything. Naomi's lost her husband and her sons. Ruth has lost her husband, and they travel back to Bethlehem. And Naomi sends Ruth out one day to try and find food for them because they had no husband to take care of them, no husband to provide for them, which was really difficult in that time. And Ruth begins, she stumbles out, or she goes out and she stumbles across Boaz's field and she begins to glean among the edges of the field. And Boaz notices her and he, turn, he like asks his men, like who is this woman that is out gleaning in my fields? And they explain to him, that um, she you know, returned from, from, uh, with her mother-in-law. They just returned to Bethlehem, and Boaz goes, and he finds Ruth, and he says, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And then in verse 13, Ruth says to Boaz, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Then in verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed her the toasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. By the way, Bam is up here because, I, or Nathan is up here because I've asked him to um, paint for us this morning. We've been in this series on beauty, and this is our last week, and I, I think it's just very fitting to just end with some beautiful art, and we're going to get into some imagery in just a minute, and so um, Bam's going to paint along as I finish teaching. So we hear this book of, the story of Ruth and Naomi, and you're probably like, okay, what does this have to do with mercy? You know, we see a little bit of, um, of Boaz showing mercy here. But I want you to know that back in Leviticus 19.9, God gave some laws to Moses. And one of the laws that he gave to him said, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. So God established this law as a protection for the poor and for the foreigner. But it was also a law to remind the people that God ultimately owned the land. Boaz was a caretaker of the land. And God owned it. And so we see Boaz keeping this law by allowing Ruth to glean among the edges of his field. But then what's really beautiful is we see Boaz kind of go beyond that. He tells her to, like, go, like, whenever you're thirsty, get some water from the jugs that my men have filled. Like, when you're um, at mealtime, like, he invited her to come eat with him and his servants, and she ate until she was full. And then he tells his men, when you go out to harvest, take bundles and drop it for her. So we see this picture of Boaz loving mercy and going beyond the law of what was asked. He delighted in showing mercy to Ruth. And as we think about this passage in Ruth, I wanna talk about our fields. I know we live in the city and we don't have fields, but I want you to just kind of imagine with me for a minute You can just close your eyes and kind of settle into your seat to a comfortable place. I want you to think of the imagery of your life as a field. I want you to think of your family, your friends, your vocation, your hobbies, your privilege, your wealth, your coming, your going, Just the day-to-day aspects of your life, of your month, the months, the years of your life. And I want you to think about the edges of your field. Can you even see the edges, or have you reaped all the way to the edges of your field? Maybe you've reaped beyond the edges of your field. Now you're in someone else's field. You can open your eyes. I think there's numerous places in scripture where we see that everything belongs to God. Everything that we have, our possessions, all of our things, it all belongs to him. So if everything is his, then these fields are his fields. And it says that he has set aside the edges of our field for someone else. So if we're reaping to the edges of our field, we're reaping what God has already set aside for someone else. And I think the kingdom of God is on the edges of our fields. And he's waiting for us to join. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And I think that when we look back at the Gospels, we see that Jesus is always in these places. He is not in the middle of the field. Like, he is along the edges, like his heart was moved to compassion, and that is where he dwelt. It was among the edges of our fields. And I think in our Christian culture, showing mercy can sometimes only be a scheduled event. And I think it's great that we do have those events, and we go and we show mercy, but I think that we're called beyond that. Um, I think that having a heart of mercy is not like scheduling a haircut, you know, that you do like once every, I don't know, maybe some people do it often. I don't do it very often, but anyway, um, I think it's important to remember like the mercy of Jesus is flowing through us and we're called to have hearts that are bent towards mercy, which means the rhythms of our life, like mercy should ooze from that, if that makes sense, as we go about our days. Um, And so I think, It might be time to reevaluate our rhythms as we think about our field and how we're gleaning the edges that were for someone else. I think it's important that we reevaluate our rhythms so that those corners of our field can be left for someone else. And so when you hear me say this, please don't hear me saying like you need to try harder, you need to do more, you need to go find ways to, to show more mercy, like that's not what I'm saying. I think being merciful is a way of life, and it's something that continues to mature with our faith, Um, and we all have room to grow. I love how 1 Corinthians 3.18 puts it. It says, and we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, and we're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So it is a constant um, transformation that we are going through as we become more in the likeness of Jesus. And so just some like practical steps. Um, I think the first thing is like learning to practice self-compassion and mercy for yourself. I think that, um, gosh guys, like we're really hard on ourselves. And the reality is it's just like hard to be human sometimes. Like it is hard to live in this world and go about our day to day. Um, It really is. So I think it's really important to learn to practice that with yourself because if you can't extend your self-compassion, you can't extend it to someone else. Really? Not really. And so it's really important to, to love yourself and to see yourself um, in the image of how you were created. Um, another thing is time management. Um, are you always like rushing, rushing, rushing to get where you need to go? Are you always like 10 minutes late and you're just like, whew, Got to get where I'm going, you know? Or can you build time into your schedule to make time for disruptions, um, to make time to have the opportunity to show mercy to someone? Um, Emotional bandwidth. Like, are you taking care of your emotional health? Do you have the self-awareness to know how far you're extending yourself? Are you extending yourself so far that you don't even have bandwidth for your own family? Or maybe you're, yeah. I think that's something to think about um, is to really, you know, it's like binging Netflix until 2 a.m. the best thing for you. <laughs> you know, like you wake up the next day and you feel like crap. Um, I don't think it really feeds your soul in the way you think. I think it's maybe a sign that you're burnt out and you need to find a new rhythm of life and find a way to check in with yourself. And then looking for opportunities to extend mercy. Um, every time I ride the train, it's like everyone is on their phones. <laughs> you know, it's like no one is speaking. No one is looking at each other. Like everyone's just in their own bubble. And I think sometimes like put your phone away so you can like see the people around you and see the people who who might be needing mercy. Um, it's just having this awareness of realizing there are other people in this world other than yourself. Um, So I'm going to share with you the story um, of Mr. Wong. I know that Brian has kind of talked about him a little bit, but as I was preparing, he just kind of came to my mind. Um, I met this like 89 year old man last year. I, I, my middle child, Cora, she does gymnastics and she's there every day of the week. And it's where the gymnastics building is located. It's, um, there's also senior housing around it. And there's a bus stop right there, but it's a pretty far walk from the bus stop back to where the senior housing is, like really far. <laughs> I and mean, it's like, if you're old and you can't move very well, like it's easily like a 30 minute walk. And so um, we were, like, leaving one day, and I saw this, um, it it was kind of dark outside, but I saw this man walking, and he just had his arms behind his back, and he was moving so slow. And I was just like, I don't know how he's going to get there. I really don't, you know? And so I, like, pulled over the car and, you know, rolled my window down and was like, can I give you a ride? And um, so he, you know, took him a while to get in the car and to, like, get the seatbelt buckled because he's, you know he's old guys. We're all going to get old. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> and so this like one time trip kind of turned into like a recurrent thing because Kor is at gymnastics like Tuesday through Friday. And so I would often see Mr. Wong at around 615 and um, I would kind of look for him and, you know, pull the car around and, let him hop in, and he was always excited (laughs) to see me. (laughs) And I always wanted, like, I want to know so much about him. Like, who is his family? Like, what is his story? Like, I have all these questions. And every time I try to talk to him, I can't get anything out of him. But when he gets out of the car every time, he always says, I will never forget you. And then he gets out of the car, closes the door, and kind of does... (laughs) this to me, (laughs) and he goes in, and so this just keeps happening, you know, and he always says the same thing, I will never forget you, and on the days I don't pick up Cora, I always ask Brian, I'm like, please look for Mr. Wong, like I usually give him a ride, and Brian comes home, and I'm like, did you see him, did you give him a ride, and Brian's like, no, and I'm like, what, I don't understand, (laughs) and so um, I was reading this book right now, called Try Softer. It's really great. Um, And there's this verse in there in Isaiah that she has in the book. And it says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. And guys, when I read that verse, it hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, Jesus was extending mercy to me through Mr. Wong. Like, he never says anything else to me. Brian never sees him when he goes to pick him up, (laughs) you know. And it's like he just always does the same thing. And so I just thought this story was just so fitting for blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, because I felt like Jesus was, like, showing me mercy. And I didn't realize that in the moment, I've realized that months later. And I think that's how it can be sometimes as we realize how we've been shown mercy later on down the road. And so as we close and kind of pull the lens back further from um, thinking about our you know, unique individualism um, and how we come together to form the body of the church, I can't help but wonder Like, how does our neighborhood know us? How does our city know us? Do they know us? Like, are we kind of the church that's like, you know, yeah, there's like good teaching, good worship. Like, yeah, it's safe. You know? Like, is that what we're known for? Because if that's what we're known for, like, I just don't know if we're like living into the mission of Jesus and what we're called to do. Um, And so my prayer for us this morning, and I know um, Nathan shared this, um, I think the first week that he talked about um, or started the beauty series is Isaiah 61. Um, And that's my prayer for us church Um, that the mercy that we have collectively that Jesus has given us would extend into the depths of our neighborhood and our city, and that the heartbeat of our church would be that we are people of mercy and that we would start to see heaven touching earth here, where we are. So I'm gonna read Isaiah 61 out to to you guys. Um, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And so as we think through this, um, This morning, band, you can go ahead and come up. Um, Wow, it was really fast, okay. Um, (laughs) um, As you think through this, as you think through the field that we talked about, as you think through um, what it means for you to extend mercy to others, like maybe you're in a place where you need to receive mercy this morning. Maybe it's really hard for you to receive Jesus' is mercy. Maybe you live in a field where your work is mercy work. Maybe you're in healthcare. Maybe you're a therapist. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you work in a field where you constantly extend mercy and you don't have anything left to give. You're just feeling really dry. Maybe you struggled with this message because you don't feel like you have mercy to give to someone else. I think we can all fall into a lot of different categories. Um, we're going to have prayer leaders in the back, and I just would encourage you to like seek, seek prayer if you need prayer, um, process with a friend what it looks like for your life to be a life of mercy. And I know I talked about, like, the, the miracles, the healing, and the transformation, and those things do happen with mercy, but there's also just some, like, very practical things, like being patient with someone in your life. Um. Like maybe you're at a red light and there's a homeless person asking for money. Maybe you don't have anything to give. Like roll down your window and look them in the eyes and say hello. Like say, what's your name? Like treat them like a human being. Maybe um, maybe it's having a smile. Maybe it's showing Kindness. Maybe it's cooking a meal for someone. Maybe you have something that someone else needs that you can share with them. So this can be very practical. But then there can also be, like, it can also be very powerful, (laughs) that makes sense. So it's, it's just both. It's very broad. So, like, be creative. Like, allow yourself to be creative as you think about mercy and how you can give mercy. Um. Yeah. So pray with me. Jesus, we thank you that you are the giver of all mercy. We thank you that your mercy never runs out. like the ocean tide that continues to come in over and over and over again. You continue to pour out your mercy and you delight in it. Like you delight in showing us mercy. Jesus, I pray that we would see ourselves the way that you see us. When you look at us, you see this radiant beauty and you delight in us.
1: God, I pray that we would see
0: others in the same likeness that you would give us hearts that look like yours, that are moving into this ever-increasing glory of beauty. That we would have hearts that are merciful. That we would see a glimpse of heaven as we move through this life that you have given us.